Hello and welcome to Car Talk from National Public Radio with us, Click and Clack, the Tapper Brothers. And we're broadcasting this week from the Rod Serling Department here at Car Talk Plaza. <laughs> yeah, if you were listening to the show a couple of weeks ago, you heard a call from Sally who was driving along, minding her own business in Walkabuck, New York, when she went under some high voltage wires and suddenly she heard a swell of static, which was followed by a big white flash <laughs> inside the car. Near the cigarette lighter. The cigarette lighter thing threw me off. <laughs> yeah. But after considering her problem for a few minutes, you know, the requisite few minutes, we concluded that she was probably hitting the bottle. <laughs> and she was just a little, you know, <laughs> maybe a friend of our sister's or something like that. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> well, since we didn't know what it was, we asked our listeners to go to the second opinion area of our website and help us out. And we got a lot of interesting theories, and you can read them all on the site, but here are just a few of them. This one comes from a guy named Bill. He says, hey, guys, you don't need Rod Serling. You need Nikola Tesla. Sally experienced what is called ball lightning. The bright flash and crackle are typical. It's a harmless but often terrifying ionization of air caused by a large static charge. Well, here's another one. This guy didn't, didn't leave his name. I'm a pilot, he says. Occasionally, when atmospheric conditions are right, we get a thing called precipitation static building up on the windshield. When it eventually discharges, it can create quite a bright flash or sometimes dancing lights called St. Elmo's fire and sometimes almost appears like a lightning strike. I think I mentioned St. Elmo's fire. I think you did. <laughs> By the way, I noticed that you assumed that that one came from a guy. I did. Well, <laughs> I had good reason. It was an unprovable theory. I mean, duh. Anyway, here's another one from a guy named Andrew. Yeah. I'm a pediatrician, so I may be going out on a limb suggesting diagnosis in adults, but I wonder if this experience could be symptoms of a brain disorder. Really? She probably should see a neurologist. Along those same lines, someone named Peter wrote, what appears to be a flash of light can be a symptom of a serious retinal problem, and you should call her and urge her to see an ophthalmologist as soon as possible. Let me see. So, so far, we've determined that she's got to see an ophthalmologist, a neurologist, and Nikola Tesla. <laughs> and, and, and here's a compromised position from someone named Brad. It's obvious, and I'm stunned, that you were not aware that she had been scanned by the mothership, <laughs> then transported to the mothership, examined, and returned in a flash of light. Get with it, boys. <laughs> well, I did consider the mothership thing. <laughs> you did. I did, but I thought it was too far out there. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. No name given. Okay. I only hope and pray that your disbelief in the caller's story and the mocking response you nailed her with does not result in an intergalactic diplomatic mess. Guys, we don't need the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to call us about your car problem, we'll be happy to give you several implausible answers. Give us a call. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hey, how are you? Great, great. Who's this? Well, my name's Dan. I'm calling from Seekonk, Massachusetts. Hey, Dan, how are you? Seekonk, right. I, I happen to know where that is. Do you? Yeah, right on the on the uh, Rhode Island border. That's it. I actually live in Rhode Island, but I, I work in Seekonk here. So, no kidding. So what's going on, Dan? Well, I've got a, a 1996 Toyota Corolla, and it's it runs wonderfully. It's got 133,000 miles on it, and it runs well still. Yeah. However, recently... I'm saying within the past three to four weeks or so, yeah. when I start it up in the morning, it makes a noise, and it sounds like it's coming from somewhere near the top of the engine, although I can't always tell. It's kind of a rattling thing, but when it warms up, it stops. It kind of goes like this. So after I start it, I go, you know, and it revs up. I like that. I like that. Do that, do that again. <laughs> you know, it revs up. Idles high because it's co the colder weather and all that. And then as it starts to idle down, I hear this. <laughs> and then as it warms up. It goes away. The idle goes down and the tapping goes away. 
Exactly. Now, is the, does the tapping increase in frequency as you rev the engine up? So, you, obviously, you start the car. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you take off, and as you drive and the, and the engine RPM goes up, the tapping goes up. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh-huh. The only other thing that I notice, and I don't know if this is connected to it or not, is that when, at night when I turn the lights on and I'm just starting to, to pull away from the front of the house, the lights will dim, dim and, and I'll hear like the sound of a belt. Squealing. Said almost fire, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it has something to do with the mothership. (laughs) My 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 first inkling was to say that it's a sticking valve. That's what that's what my first inkling was. And and when I it was a classic stuck valve. Yeah, and but and considering it has one hundred and thirty three thousand miles on it, makes perfect sense. That's that that does make perfect sense, and that's why I dismissed it because it made perfect sense. And what I think it is is something else that happens to these these engines on on these Corollas is that you have a crack in the exhaust manifold. Well, it's not noisy though. Wouldn't that make a lot? Well, it would it would make it would make a noise. It's not unlike expanded. Yeah, exactly. And when it expands, the crack closes up. I see. So when the engine is cold, you get this. Ah, yeah, it goes. And if you like if, that, yeah. here's what you're going to do, you're going to take a, a, a piece of uh, hose, hose, yeah, and you're going to listen to this thing. You you could do it with a screwdriver, but a piece of hose is better because as the exhaust does, there's a there's a shield on top of that manifold. Yeah, I know exactly where it is. I've I've hit it with the back of my hand when I'm changing my filter when it's hot. That's exactly. it. <laughs> there are a couple me. of bolts that hold that. Down. Raise the hood up before you start it. Okay. Yeah, take that shield off first. Okay. <laughs> okay. When you take that shield off, you may see the crack in the manifold. All right. But if you don't, with the engine running, probe with one end of the hose in your ear, the other end going around the manifold, and when you hit the spot where the where the leak is, it'll sound like a Gatling gun going off in your ear. Oh, all right. Because right. not only will you hear the noise, but you'll actually get the exhaust coming up through the hose. Exactly. And compressing the air in the hose. And setting your hair on fire. <laughs> setting your hair on fire, and it'll blow out your eardrum. But you'll know where the leak Breathing is, Dan. In all those fumes. But that, that's, that's what I think it is. Yeah. And, you know, you, you could just forget about this if you wanted to. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you could, but it's It'll some, get worse. It'll get worse. And at some point, you're probably going to get fumes in the passenger compartment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you notice yourself being stupider at work. But but it'll keep running, though. Tommy, your manifold must be leaking. Say <laughs> <laughs> it, Dan. It, it'll keep running, yeah. It'll keep running. Can I blame a leaking manifold on everything else? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Poor performance at work, absolutely. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> no trouble. See, See you, you later. Man. Bye-bye. Bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on. Hi, this is Cynthia, and I'm from Minneapolis. Hi, Hi Cynthia. Cynthia. I have a problem with my 2002 Toyota Camry, the heat doesn't come out near my feet, and that's a problem because it's cold now. Yeah, Minnesota. yeah. Winter's and, here, huh? Yeah, it's here. When did this start happening? It started last July, and it was um, then. How'd you case, find that? Out? The air conditioning. Um, oh, the air conditioning didn't come out there either. No, it started when I had that problem that your caller a few weeks ago had with the puddle on the floor from the air conditioning uh, um, being clogged up. Yeah. And I had that situation when I was on a road trip, and well, I was driving for 13 hours each day, and so I scooped all the water out with my coffee cup at a rest area. And, <laughs> and then when I got to my destination, which is actually in Massachusetts, the puddle had re- reappeared, and I shop-backed it out, and I went to my dad's mechanic, and he described the same problem you did. You know, we just shoot some air into that plugged-up hole, mm-hmm. and the water will come gushing out. So he, he put it on the lift, and he took it up there, but no water came gushing out. Hmm. So then he went looking around for maybe some other explanation, didn't find anything, and he sent me on my way. And my air conditioner worked just fine, um, the, and the heat works just fine, but it never came out by the feet again. I didn't notice this problem until I was in Indiana, though. Yeah. So I couldn't go back to my dad's mechanic and <laughs> say, what did you do to my car? <laughs> and I'm afraid that taking the entire dashboard off to find out what's going on under there is going to cost me a fortune. It might, but I'm, I'm guessing no. that, that he, he, when he was in there, he disconnected some. How close is this guy? 1,500 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't plan to go back to Massachusetts until yeah. next summer. Yeah, no, you're going to have to take it to somebody close by and tell them the same story you told us. Okay. And, and they're going to they're gonna look up under the dashboard and they're going to find out what he disconnected. It'll be obvious to them. Well, it might not be obvious, but but he may have disconnected a vacuum hose, or 
or something may have just broken and it may have nothing to do with him. You may not be able to pin this on him. If, if something broke and they have to take the dashboard off, is it going to cost me like $1,000 or something? Oh, maybe 3000 No, <laughs> No, no. It, no it's, it's unlikely that it's that kind of thing. In the meantime, buy some heavy socks. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I, I'm, I'm weighing out. Okay, is this, should I just wear socks and, and warm boots and, and tough it out? No, I get a little barbecue thing and light it up <laughs> down there. No, no, when, when, when you, when you uh, this, does this have buttons on the dash? Is that how that works? It it's has... a dial, and you, you can put it on defrost and then defrost and your feet. Or, uh, so when you put it on defrost feet. and feet, it just, it's just defrost now? Yeah. So there's no, there's no way you can get anything to come out at the bottom? No. In fact, if you put it on feet only, it, it, it sort of sounds like it's working really hard to blow at you. Right. Uh, because you can't the, feel it coming out of Because any the of door the is not opening. Right. Yep. The, the door that's supposed to allow the air to come out at your feet is, is jammed. It's so it, yeah, you need to have someone look at it. It may be obvious. In, in one minute, they may be able to fix it. Okay. On the other hand, it may cost you a thousand bucks, but in any <laughs> case, you're gonna ha you're gonna have to do something because I can tell it's gonna bother you. Well, oh, you're gonna freeze. And those heavy socks, like, you know, when my get, cold feet get cold. It's really hard to warm them back yeah, up. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Oh yeah, and winter's just starting. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think in mucking around in the Adashi, he may have disconnected something or jammed something, right. or it may have just it may just be coincidental. Yes. But maybe. if you find out he broke something, send them a bill. <laughs> See you, Cynthia. Okay, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227. Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm calling from Victor, Idaho. Hi, Jennifer. Vic Victor? It's a very small town about 10 miles from the Wyoming border. Oh, huh. okay. Okay, I have a 2001 Subaru Outback. That stinks. Oh, I don't think they're that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I took it to the shop about a week ago because I had a gas leak. It smelled slightly like gas. Uh. And they told me that my fuel filter was really clogged, and so the hose that connected to the... Um, to the filter? Yeah, to the filter was leaking. Like, the screws had come a little loose because there was a bunch of goo in it. So they flushed all that stuff out, and then they reconnected the hose, and then the leak went away. But then it smelled even worse, like, when I took it home. Like, it was just awful. And it, it smells of raw gas. I mean, like, 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 like. No, like old gas. Well, like a dirty mechanic. <laughs> Beg your pardon. <laughs> dirty old mechanic. <laughs> well, because when I went into the shop to complain, they're like, "Well, we don't smell anything." No, because you like smell like that, right? <laughs> right. Standing next to me, and it's like, "Well, of course you can't smell anything. It's you." <laughs> well, okay, so go ahead. So, so the so they fix this guck in the line. Right. And then the smell is worse. It's worse. So they washed my car. One of the guys said, oh, we might have spilled some cleaner when we were in there. So they, like, hosed down the engine block or something. They yeah. vacuumed my car. They did all this stuff for me. That was the smell they couldn't smell. It was great. Yeah. But then when I took it home, it still stunk. Here's what I think they did. Yeah. They, they replaced your fuel filter. Uh-huh. Ah. They took the old one off. Uh -huh. The mechanic rested it on the cowl. You know the cowl is that piece of grill work that's right in front of the windshield uh, okay and that's where outside air gets drawn into the uh to the passenger compartment yeah okay and the guy rested the thing there and glug 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 <laughs> it emptied out into your ventilation system oh yeah just a guess I mean, I, I didn't like, right from the beginning, <laughs> I was suspicious of everything because the, the, I don't know what the smell may have been. It may, there may have been something else going on, but I think whatever they did, they worsened it. You may have had a loose clamp mm -hmm. and they fixed that, mm -hmm. but, but in the process, they, if they laid the, 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 the old fuel filter on the cowl, uh -huh. they could have poured a pint of gasoline and, and they said, oh, geez, now what are we going to do? And they tried everything. And, and what I would do is leave the windows open. For like six months or a year. A while, it's like nine while. degrees out. I understand. I understand. But do you want the stink? Yeah. Well, geez, you know, first, I think the first thing you have to do is get them to admit that they did this. <laughs> well, because otherwise you, you're going to be barking up the wrong tree. We, I could be wrong about this. Okay. Well, no, this, you're not wrong. No, I, I don't think I'm wrong, but I, I, I could be. I could be wrong, but you could have a leak somewhere else. But it's pretty easy to to find gasoline leaks. Okay. If it's bad enough so that you can smell it, they ought to be able to see it with the car running. And if they can't see it, they ought to be able to nail it down with the with their emissions tester. We have an emissions tester that that 
checks for carbon monoxide and you know and, and nitrous oxide and unburned hydrocarbons. Uh-huh. And so they can go around your 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 the entire fuel system, starting at the tank, and working their way all the way up. I mean, you could have, for example, a bad gas cap, or you could have something wrong with the ventilation system, and that could give you a bad smell. So they need to sniff around to make sure if they deny that they did this fuel filter thing, they need to verify, in fact, that there's not a, a leak, uh, someplace that is easily identifiable. If they don't conclude it's a fuel leak, the next thing to look at is the possibility that's an oil leak. Because an oil leak will smell often like gasoline. Now, like a week later, it doesn't smell like gas so much as um, mechanics wearing old lady perfume. No, that's the brain damage setting in. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is how it progresses. That's why we don't smell it on ourselves. Ah. Because we're brain dead. Ah. <laughs> so every once in a while, I sniff Tommy and I say, how do you, he says, how do I smell? He says, oh, not bad. <laughs> but you it, smell like me. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Good luck, Jennifer. Great. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, look, uh, you don't happen to remember our most recent puzzler, do you? Well, I happen to not only remember the puzzler, I happen to know the answer as well. <laughs> No, I don't know the puzzle. Does it have to do with mango trees? No, no, that was like four years ago, man. Uh, did it have to do with a Quonset hut? That was three years ago. I know. It Was it a monk going up and down a hill? I think you're back in the Carter administration now. <laughs> no, it was a word puzzler, and boy, did we get a ton of entries. Oh, is that what that dumpster was doing in front of the office? <laughs> Indeed. It was, you know, we'll be back with the details of the word puzzler and the potential answers in just a minute, so please stay tuned. Been having some hard traveling, I thought you know. I've been having some hard traveling way down the road. I've been having some hard traveling, hard rambling, hard gambling. Been having some hard traveling, Lord. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and, of course, the answer to last week's puzzler. And this was a, a simple puzzler in its statement. Uh, it wasn't so yeah. easy to solve, necessarily. I wanted to know the longest English language word that remained a valid English language word even as you removed its letters one at a time. Yeah. Now, you can remove any letter from the beginning, the middle, or the end, but each time you remove the letter... The remaining letters had to spell a legitimate English word. In the very order they were in before. Yeah, you can't change the order. You can't change you can, the order. You can yeah. pluck letters from any place in the word. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And the example I gave was the word sprite. Yeah. You drop the R from sprite and you get spite. You drop the E and you get spit, then pit, then it, and finally I. Sure. And there was one other condition. Uh, plurals and proper names were not allowed. So the question is, what's the longest English word to meet these criteria? Sure. Well, here's the deal. I came up with five nine-letter words. Yeah. And I thought That's I had it. it knocked. In fact, I'll give you the words. I came up with startling, yeah. splitting, stringier, restarted, and strapping. Mm. And, uh, All simple words. And then somebody emailed us an answer that said, well, restarting yeah. could work, and restarting could become... Restating, estating, stating, sating, sting, sing, sin, in, and I. Sure. So we thought that that 10-letter word was the winner. I mean, the nine, I thought the nine was the winner. And then we got these emails. And then from all the Scrabble nuts out there, yeah, we got this 11-letter uh, oh! word. And here's the word. And, and well, I never would have come up with this word on my own. And, yeah. and some of them are very archaic words. The word is complecting, C O M. P-L-E-C-T-I-N-G. That's a word? Well, it means joining by weaving. So I'm complecting a garment. <laughs> I'm complecting the sleeve onto my jacket, I suppose. But it's a word that's not commonly used. And it becomes completing, competing, compting, which I guess is a word. So these are oh. all legitimate Scrabble words. And then it goes on, uh, compting, comping, coping, oh. oping, which I didn't hear before, ping, pig, pie and and i and pie is questionable because i don't think that's a real english word that's a greek letter that's used to represent the ratio yeah 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 3.14159 but 
but it's in the Scrabble dictionary. But we're accepting it. All right, fine. we're accepting it, and and to that end, we we uh, we have de- determined that we have a winner. We do. <laughs> Who's our winner? The winner is Thomas Barr from Harvey Mudd College out in California somewhere. Is that mud with two Ds? That's mud with two Ds. <laughs> and for having his answer selected at random from among all the correct answers that we got, Thomas is going to get a $26 gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at cartalk.com, with which he can get a pair of our dipstick coffee mugs. These are yellow ceramic mugs that appear from the outside to be one-third filled with oil. And you know where we got the idea for that mug, don't you? <laughs> yeah. The holiday party when we filled the decaf decanter with Castrol 20W50. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, hey, but you know what? I think we should send the prize to the person who sent in the 10-letter word, which is restarting. Because that's a real word that you would actually would have had a chance at figuring out. Yeah. I mean, complexing while it may be legit. Is, yeah, is, if you didn't have the dictionary there, you'd never get it. So he'll get a prize to a $26 gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at cartalk.com. Great. And, of course, we have a brand-new puzzler coming up in the third half of the show, so stick around for that. In the meantime, we'll attempt to answer your car questions at 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, guys. Hey. My name is Scott. I'm calling from Long Beach, California. Hey, huh. Scott. What's happening, man? I'm calling about a problem with my 2004 Subaru Impreza WRX. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've, uh, I've had this happen a few times, not every time, but when I'm in a tight turn and I'm braking, I suddenly lose almost all the braking pressure, and I just fly right out into the middle of the intersection. And Ooh. it's only in tight turns, like if I'm on an, a freeway off-ramp, for instance. Jeez, uh, this sounds dangerous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. When you say tight turns, so you're coming off the highway. Right. So it could be either a right tight turn or a left tight turn, but it's usually when the wheel's in the locked position. Does it happen in, in any other places besides coming off a highway? What if you're just taking a, a very sharp turn onto from one street onto another? Or backing into a parking space. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had it once in a, in a flat parking lot, so there was no camber to the road. Ah. And, and same, same issue. Well, there are really only, there's really only one thing that can cause this problem. And I think, yep. uh, well, not, not one thing, but there are couple of things and the, the most likely thing is a bad master cylinder exactly mm, that sounds expensive no no, no it's, it's not expensive well it's cheaper than your life <laughs> <laughs> and the master cylinder doesn't doesn't oh and i don't know i don't know why the tight turn the thing tight should. turns should not affect what the master cylinder is doing yeah the master cylinder doesn't care but your foot goes to the floor not not quite all the way to the floor, but it, but it does it does get real spongy, real real loose. There isn't nearly as much resistance as I would normally experience. Yeah, because I I think if you do this experiment, without moving the car, start the engine, mm-hmm. step on the brake pedal as gently as you can, almost as if you're not stepping on it, but you're applying the smallest amount of pressure that you possibly wow. can, but maintain that amount of pressure, and see if in fact the pedal doesn't sink right down to the floor. Because I or, or down to where it usually sinks when this condition occurs, right. and it'll it'll sink slowly, almost imperceptibly. And the way we do it at the shop is, I will put one foot under the brake pedal, between the pedal and the floor, while I'm stepping on the pedal with the other foot. And when I when when the pedal starts to sink, I'll begin to feel the backside of the brake pedal crushing my toes. <laughs> okay, and then you'll know that it is definitely the master cylinder. Okay. Now, if you, so I mean, I can't think of any other situation that would that would cause this, any any other failure of a component rather that would that would cause this problem. So, so, so it may it may require a replacement of the master. Well, yeah, yeah, oh, it, it, it does. It, it. it does require a replacement. And you, and you haven't lost any fluid. No, not that I can tell. I haven't seen anything in my parking spot. And this vehicle obviously has ABS, huh? Right. Yeah, we we had a, we had a, a vehicle in the shop not long ago. Uh, in fact, it was a Subaru uh, that we erroneously diagnosed a master cylinder failure, and it turned out to be the the ABS uh, oh. module that was faulty. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. But considering how new your vehicle is, it seems unlikely. Right. The pro- problem is, if it's the ABS module, then it could give the same symptom as the master cylinder, and and you might replace the master cylinder thinking that that's going to solve the problem. But the master cylinder is relatively cheap, so if okay. you made that mistake, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I would do the test. But even even if the test says to you that the master cylinder is bad, it could still be the ABS that's giving you the symptom. Right.
you know. So the test doesn't necessarily condemn only the master cylinder. You yeah. with me? You with me, Scott? Yeah. Would it would it be best to take it to a, a dealership and have them check what it out? What a brilliant! The ABS <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because there's a <clears throat> there's a chance that in fact it's there's very dangerous. There's a chance there's something wrong with the ABS. It's going to get worse and worse, and and eventually it's going to rear its ugly head when you're going straight ahead at 70 miles an hour, closing in on a yeah. on a you know tractor trailer. Right, and you may find out that they have a, a technical service bulletin on the on the ABS unit, and they you may, they may tell you that that's faulty. They may do it for free. That would be nice. That would be nice. Good luck, but get it looked at soon because it sounds like it has the potential to be dangerous. Yes, definitely. Thank you, guys. See you, Scott. Okay. Bye bye. Eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eighty two fifty five. Hello, you're on. Car- Hi, this is Ann from Glastonbury, Connecticut, calling. Hi, Ann from Glastonbury. Yes. What's going on, Ann? I need your help on um, a little dispute I'm having with my boyfriend on my car. Do you have uh, an E at the end of your name? No, no E. Middle initial E, though. And but, E. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Ann. I have a 2000 Passat wagon. Okay. And on the passenger side, kind of the trim molding that runs along the middle of the door yeah. is coming loose on the rear door. So when I open the door, it's getting caught on the first the front door, yep. and it's starting to kink back a little. Oh, yeah. this is that piece on the outside of the door. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. His suggestion is just... Rip it off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Super glue or epoxy it back on, and my, I want to take it to a body shop and have it replaced because I'm afraid if I'm going 70 miles an hour down 91 in Hartford that it's going to fly off and hit somebody on the highway. It could, but they'd be behind you. <laughs> but they could get my license. No, please. no, I, you, no. You, that's that's the that's the civic-minded thing to do. And and sure. Did you look? This, this piece is obviously sprung away from the door. Yes. Is this is this attached with clips or is it attached with an adhesive? Adhesive. They told me I actually went to an auto body shop and got actually two quotes. I went to two different places. And uh-huh. how much did they want to replace this fifteen-cent piece of trim? <laughs> One place was a hundred and two dollars. And the other place was 132. But Sounds also, about right. But also the front door is starting to come unglued a little bit. So they said that they could just glue that, but they want to re- take the back one off and replace it completely. Yeah, because it needs to be because once once it gets bent out of shape, you're yes. not going to be able to glue it back on unless you could pull up near a tree. <laughs> no, and wedge a two by four. <laughs> You know, with the new glue water, you're gonna have some way of clamping it. Well, yeah. I want to keep this car looking as good as long as possible because I don't have that many miles on it. Well, first of all, it's unlikely that that if that even if that trim did come off, it's unlikely that it's gonna damage anyone else's car or okay. cause personal injury to anyone. Usually, those things wind up on the road and nine million cars drive over them and, yeah. and they disappear. Who knows what happens to them? I mean, I would I would take your boyfriend's advice. Oh and no. I, <laughs> No, no, I just, because it's something that you can see whether it's going to stay. Okay, so try that first. You want some uh, Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glue, okay. I don't know about Gorilla I'm not sure about Gorilla Glue. Well, <laughs> no, no, no you, you, you want something called Weather Strip Adhesive. Or, you know, it's a rubber cement kind of thing. Okay. Which which, which I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, the piece that goes on, you know, has the adhesive built right into it, and you peel off the backing and you stick it on. Okay. You know, but you could you could try. You might want to try another body shop. See yeah. if you can get someone to do it for thirty-two dollars. Get a third quote. Yeah, third quote. But, them, you don't want to replace the thing. You think it's wasteful. But but when I forgot about it one time, when I opened up the door, it kinked it back like maybe two inches back. So it was you know. Oh, it's out it's ugly. Oh, oh, I, I can see that the aesthetic here is yes. the issue. Yeah. Yes, for me it is. Yeah, because I know that your boyfriend's idea would work. Especially if you it would. park it would. next to a tree and wedge the two by four in there. <laughs> no, and you could actually if you, if you open the door. Yes. And you had a nice big set of clamps. You might be able to. You might be able to actually clamp. It. You might have to take the door off. <laughs> but it's not on like the. It's on the front. It's on the front side of. It's on the front side of the door. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you ain't gonna clamp that because I don't think you can get a clamp over it. Okay. You can, it's alter- not easy. alternatively. Yeah. You, you could park a car. With the bumper pushing on it. <laughs> Alternatively, yeah, there you, are ways to do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd give up on it so easily. But I can tell that the the little kink in it is going to bother you. It yes, is. it does. Yeah, yeah, you need to fix it. You're going to have it replaced. Hundred and two bucks. Who? First of all, did you do it or did your boyfriend do it? No, I did it. 
Is there any way you could blame your boyfriend for it? Um, I don't think so, because he usually never drives the car. Man, well, you should let him drive more. You could blame all kinds of stuff on him. Well, good luck, Ann, but I think you had you, you don't have much choice but to pay to get it done. Okay. See you later. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Eight, eight, oh, only why, all of our problems. That's, that's why, why it's 100. 100 bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I try to straighten it. 888-CAR-TALK. <laughs> that's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hello, this is Roy in San Antonio. Hey, Roy, Roy what's happening, man? Well, I've got kind of a little unusual question. Um, my question is how much two-cycle chainsaw gas can I put in my 05 Xterra without gumming up the jets? Oh, so <laughs> you're putting your chainsaw to rest for the season? Well, not exactly, but you and any other, any small engine person I've ever talked to or any time I ever take my chainsaw in or my lawnmower in, they say, are you using clean gas? And I say, well, you know, it's about two weeks old. They say, oh, it's too dirty. Well, that's great, except they never tell you what to do with the old gas. I'm a little bit uh, concerned about just dumping it out in the pasture or on my neighbor's yard. So, yeah, the uh, pasture's probably not a good idea. So you, well, I'd you, rather so... do it in the neighbor's yard than the pasture, that's true. <laughs> So you have, how much of this gas do you have, Roy? Well, I never mix it more than a gallon at a time because of that reason. So yeah. I've dumped it in there before. It's a 21-gallon tank. But if it's two weeks old, they're telling you to throw it away? Well, two weeks to three to, mo- to a month. And if I'm out there cutting firewood or something, then, uh, you know, I'm not doing that for a living. So sometimes that fuel sits in there for three weeks, sometimes a month something like that but that's always the question it's never new enough when you take it in i tell you i've used gas in my cycle engines that has been six months old yeah and if i put gasoline stabilizer in it it can last even longer Mm. yeah so i I wouldn't throw away any gasoline that's two or three weeks old no well would you put it in your 05 xterra then or just dump it out i could put it in my 05 xterra or better still i put it in my chainsaw (laughs) <laughs> and just and just burn it. If you're only doing a, a gallon at a time, you know that'll last you for months. Uh huh. Literally, yeah. don't don't uh, believe them that it's if it's two or three weeks old. We see plenty of cars that come into our shop with gasoline in the tank that's six months old. It start they start up and they run fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so so gasoline has a lot of stuff in it already to keep it from gumming up and plugging up the fuel injectors. You know, building up varnish on the injectors because they're worried about that. Now, if you let it go for years and years, yeah, you got a problem. But you can put it in your car. Okay. Well, if you've got a gallon of this stuff and it's got some oil mixed in with it, you can you can put it in your car. I wouldn't be too worried about it. I have gas in my 52 MG, <laughs> and I don't drive it all winter. So when I put it away in, in November and take it out in April... It, the gas is six months old. And of course, we can never get it started. <laughs> yeah, well, you could probably refinish a gun stock with that stuff. <laughs> exactly. You could, you could varnish a tabletop with it. <laughs> but I, yeah. I wouldn't feel bad about putting it. If you have a half a gallon of this gasoline or so, I wouldn't be worried about putting it in your Xterra. But I, more than that, I, I would just use it in whatever two-cycle engine you have. Okay. Good luck. All right, thanks. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I think it's time for us to take a little break and and get ready for the brand-new puzzler. Get ready? What's left to get ready for? You've already selected the basic kernel of the idea for Mm -hmm. the puzzler, right? Yeah. You've constructed a plot. Uh, Yeah. You've crafted the language to introduce clues and yet hide the obvious, right? You've done that. Yeah, yeah. You've added drama and suspense to the storyline. Huh? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. you, you've you researched and confirmed the answer. Ah, the answer. I knew there was something I needed to do <laughs> during the break. All right. We'll be right back with my brother's brand new puzzle. And, of course, we'll take more of your car questions, so don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Well, all the plans that you have from seven years ago. Like all the promises you made, I watched them come and go. You put your keys in the car, but it wouldn't drive. With your hands on the wheel, looking barely alive. I'm still sitting here waiting on the passenger side for you to make up your mind. For you to make up your mind. At the dark end of this bar. 
We're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and, of course, the, the new puzzler. Yeah. Which I, I had the what did I do? I had the kernel of the idea. You had the kernel of the and idea. And I obfuscated it. Yeah, uh, okay. we did all that stuff. Well. Here we go. I, I had to help out Kenneth Lutz, who sent in the kernel for this yeah. puzzler, and, and, and he won't even recognize it. He sent it in. <laughs> he, don't, he won't even know what the answer is. But I didn't mention his name. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. In the good old U.S. of A., we still use something called the British system of measurement, you know, i.e. The, the, the mile, the gallon, the bushel, the rod, the, yeah. the inch. You know, you, you got it, right? Yeah. And, and when while practically the entire rest of the world has embraced the elegant simplicity of the metric system, yeah. as you would expect, American car manufacturers used the British system until globalization infiltrated the marketplace and, and kind of forced them to adopt the, the metric system. Sure. Well, nowadays, every American manufacturer uses the metric system almost exclusively so that practically every fastener, you know, nuts and bolts yeah. and, and whatnot, is measured in millimeters. And even torque specifications are now given in, like, newton meters and, and not foot pounds. Yeah. Right? You see how, how pervasive the yeah, yeah. metric system has, has become. Well, n now to get to the point of the puzzler. <laughs> I travel quite a bit, and I spend a lot of time in Bucharest, Romania, where they most likely have never, ever heard of the British system of measurement. Yeah. Anyway, while uh, being chauffeured around town one day and sitting in traffic, I noticed something interesting. I noticed that every car from the lowly Dacia, where none of the body parts quite fit, to the <laughs> high-end Mercedes, is using the British system of measurement. Wow. That's right. There's something on all of these cars that's not metric. What is it? I know what it is. I'm it's not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. Yeah. Your Toyota or your Volvo or any car that you drive in the United same States thing. might have the same part that's not metric. That is, it's using the British system of, of measurement. Now, if you think you know the answer. I do. Well, then you, <laughs> here's what you have to do. You ready? You paying I'm, attention? I'm going to send in my answer. What do I win? <laughs> well, you're going to find out. If you think you know the answer, write it on the underside of a windproof Colibri cigar lighter and cutter. <laughs> you may need this with satin finished metal case, built-in flip-up guillotine, fuel level indicator, <laughs> innovative fuel-efficient firing device, leather carrying case, and a coupon for a free chest CAT scan. <laughs> this is for my brother, of course. And send it to Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge. Our fair city. Matt 02238. Or you can email us your answer. From cartalk.com. But right now, if you have a car question for us, we're at 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on. Hi, this is Carol Ann. Um, I'm calling from Cambridge, Massachusetts. No kidding. Yeah. Hi, Carol Ann. What Hi. part of Cambridge, Massachusetts do you live in? Uh, North Cambridge. North Cambridge. Ah, uh, that's the only affordable part of Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's uh, what's going on, Carol Ann? Well, I had a question, please, about um, windshield wipers. Um, last year, I was in a snowstorm, and I got into sort of a bad situation. I was driving, and um, snow was kind of caking on the wipers, so I stopped to um, you know, clean off the wipers just with my mittens. Yeah. And um, when I did that, one of the wipers sort of broke. Yeah. So someone helped Were me. you beating on it? Were you angry? Were you slamming it against the window? <laughs> Tell the truth. No, although it was a really bad snowstorm. I confess, I come from western New York, so I'm sort of used to the snow. Yeah. But uh, this was this was Massachusetts snow. And um, anyways, it was it was pretty bad. I was just using my mitten to kind of wipe along the blade. Oh, so the blade came off when you did this? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. isn't that a bummer? Well, it was it was bad because it was really snowing. Yeah. But um, so somebody helped me and happened to have a um, wiper. We fixed it. And then I continued on, and it was still snowing really badly so i pulled over again and um i broke the other one <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad day <laughs> so my question is that um i was told that there was sort of a winter kind of windshield wiper and i wanted to know is it really is there such a thing and is it really different from regular windshield wipers oh yeah there is there is a winter blade. yeah and also even with the ones that you had the way to get it cleaned off is not to do what you did, but just move it away from the windshield okay. and let it bounce back to the windshield, and then all the snow will fall off of it. 
No, so you know that thing is spring loaded. So if you pull it away from the windshield a few inches ah. and let it spring back on its own, it'll slam against the glass and it won't break anything. Well, you know, it was that really kind of slushy, heavy snow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and for that, you need something called, you ready for this? Yes. Winter blades. <laughs> yeah. And winter blades have the same kind of a blade, the piece that touches the windshield, but all the rest of the mechanism, the little springy devices that hold the blade against the glass, yeah. are all covered up with a rubber sheath. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And most uh, parts stores have these. Okay. But, however... Uh, if you leave the winter, there's a temptation to say, well, what the heck, the winter blades will work in the summer. You could leave them on all year. But the problem with doing that is they're heavier. Mm -hmm. and, and they put a lot more load on the wiper transmission and the wiper motor. Oh, yeah. okay. So we found out that it has increased tremendously our sales of wiper motors. <laughs> so if you don't want to burn out your windshield wiper motor, you might want to take those blades off and use them just for the winter. Okay, that sounds great. But practically speaking, they're only going to last the winter anyway. So at the end of the winter, throw them away and, and put new uh, summer blades on there. Yeah. Okay. See you, Carolyn. Thanks. Love your show. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. -bye. bye. One eight 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 car talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eighty two fifty five. Hello. Hi, my name is Anthony Ortiz, and uh, I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. What's what's happening, Anthony? I have a ninety nine F or Ford F one fifty four wheel drive truck. Yeah. Uh -huh. And twice in the last two years, uh, I've been driving down the road and just had a spark plug that comes completely out of the engine. Really? Yeah. And and I took it in to the same people to get it fixed. And they had told me that it was a common, uh, something that happened, it was a common occurrence type thing. But anybody I've talked to, nobody's, uh, only one person that I know of has said, yeah, that's happened to my car. Oh, you have a V8 in this thing? Yeah. A, what, a 4.6 liter? 5.4. Uh, 5.4. Yeah, same, same, same difference. That is not a common thing. Well, it, it is actually on these. It's kind of common. Because the snap-on guy came in the other day was trying to sell us a rethreading kit for these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they have they have a little kit now that they sell that you know allows you to drill out the the, the strip threads and and tap new threads in and put an insert in. Uh -huh. And so I guess it is fairly common. Okay. I mean, it's not very common in the world. <laughs> right. No, so it's not. Very, it's very rare. So how much do they want? So you took it to the Ford dealer. No, no, I didn't take it to the Ford dealer. I took it to a, a garage that I've been using um, over the last few, three or four years. They knew you were coming. Here's Anthony. He's got another plug blown out. <laughs> yep, yep, it's pretty much. Well, the first time that it happened, um, I had taken it in because it was cutting out between like 48 and 51 miles an hour. I'd step on the gas, and it would kind of cut out on me, and I thought I needed a tune-up. And they replaced the wires and stuff on it, and about two weeks later is when the first plug came out, and that was in the, in the first cylinder. Uh huh. And then they fixed it for free, thinking that maybe they didn't tighten that spark plug in enough. Yeah. And then um, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I was driving home, um, and I had the cylinder four spark plug popped out. Oh, so the snap-on guy must have been to their shop, too, trying to sell them the tool, and <laughs> yeah. that's how they know about it. So, you know, like I said, it's happened twice in the last two years. I was just wondering if, it, if, if it's going to keep happening to the rest of the cylinders. Probably is. Yeah, maybe they can give you some kind of a quantity discount. Maybe they can put yeah. you on the cylinder a month plan. So how much yeah. How much do they want to fix this? Uh, $195. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and the reason for it, the um, the coil for the spark plug oh, burned got, out. Got damaged, right. Yeah, and so, it, I mean, it was $110 just for the coil. Yeah. Well, I think you have no choice, Anthony, but to bite the bullet. Okay. And, and, and is this going to be a problem that's going to continue with the other six cylinders now? Probably. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, you can prevent it by checking the the tightness of the spark plugs every three or four weeks. Okay. Yeah, that ain't so easy or, or fun. It's not right, fun, right. no. Because well, when I took it in the first time, I was going to try to tune it up myself or have a friend of mine, and then I were going to try to do it. Mm -hmm. And because of the different engine in there, it took us, you know, 45 minutes to find the spark plugs. And it was just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, I'd never seen an engine like that before in my life. Yeah, yeah so. well, that's that's the problem. They'll figure it out eventually, and maybe they'll make good on it for you. Okay. Ford Motor Company, that is. But I, I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't hold my breath. Okay. But in the okay. meantime, make sure the plugs are all tight, and that's, your, that's the only thing you can hope for. Okay. Good luck, man. All right. Well, thanks. Hey, I really appreciate listening to your show. A friend of mine... Um, got me involved in it about three weeks ago and i've had a great time every weekend i listen to it and it's you, just fantastic you you're still are... talking to this guy <laughs> <laughs> well th thanks for listening all right thank you see you anthony all right bye <laughs> bye bye <laughs> 888 car talk that's 888-227-8255 hello you're on car hi this is libby from seattle hi libby what's going libby. on 
Well, I need a car to run away with. Yeah. Run yeah. Away. Where run are you away, running? Run away with. Well, one, yes, because I want to run away. Yeah. So here I am. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, why, 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 from whom are you running and why are you running? Well, I've <laughs> been a single mom. My daughter's in college. It's 26 years later after being in Seattle, and I want to sell everything and run away. I <laughs> love it. So I want to get on the road for at least two or three months. I have a little Ford Escort, which is not going to make the journey. But I'm a very small person, just five feet tall, about 100 pounds. I have about $10,000, and I don't want a big SUV or an RV. No. I want a car that I could actually sleep in sometimes. And I know you guys could come up with something that would work. Well, first of all, where, where, where are you planning to go? I'm planning to leave Seattle in March or April, I hope, and drive a southern route through yeah. Arizona and Texas. I want to see the Gulf Coast. Yeah. I want to get down to Key West. Oh, I boy. have family in the east, so I'll probably head there at some point. You realize you're never coming back. <laughs> um, don't tell anybody. It has to be our secret. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't tell anybody. Okay. Well, what what do you what do you see yourself driving, Libby? Well, I've been thinking a Subaru station wagon, or maybe even a small Volvo station wagon. Okay, I could see that. You have you have ten thousand bucks though. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get in. So if you, if we recommend something for ten thousand bucks, what are you going to use for for uh, food, for food. And gas? Oh, that's a whole other. Oh, thing. so you have ten thousand budgeted just, for the car? Yeah, this is just for the car. Oh, all right. So you need a wagon. Yeah, I need a wagon. Yeah. And huh. if you had a wagon whose back seat folded down, I, I, I would recommend against sleeping in the in the vehicle unless it was an emergency. Well, even in a um, campground? I mean, oh, yeah. I wouldn't go into a service center. That's the, my sister says I'm too old to do this. It's not safe. Well, she's and right I about don't... that, but it wouldn't be an adventure if it were safe. Exactly. That's what I keep telling her. And she said, but you've never camped before, so you're not going to be able to do this. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> no, what's, what's camping? You, you know, you learn to use an outhouse and you don't shower for a few days. That's, <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly. I mean, you, you, you could, I think you can do it. I, 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 oh, you I sense you have it. the capacity to do this. You know why you're going to do it? Because you want to. Exactly. I want to. Yeah. Well, uh, to get the, the most bang for your $10,000, I, I think you're going to have to buy, uh, you, you want to get something that's reliable. So we're probably going to recommend, a, you know, a Toyota. Right. You know, like a Toyota Matrix, for example. I kind of like that vehicle. Oh. A, a Honda CRV. Yeah. Although if you're going to be driving the southern route. CRV, you can sleep in that? I don't think that's long enough. I don't need Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, plenty long enough. Even for, I mean, I'm just five feet tall, but it's, you, you know, might be able to sleep long. sideways. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's 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 long enough. If you fold down that back seat, you can definitely you'll sleep like diagonally. There'll, oh, okay. there'll be plenty of room. Okay. Yeah, you'll be dead in the morning anyway. <laughs> lack of air. No, no. no, I'll have a crick in my neck because I am getting old. <laughs> you know, a Ford Focus wagon might be all right too. Oh. But I'm going to recommend something different that I think okay. you might like. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to recommend a little pickup truck. <gasps> now, with that's a, that's with as a cap. with a cap on it. But they don't make any little pickups yes, anymore. Of course, oh, yeah, of they, course do. they do. A Ford Ranger pickup is little. Toyota makes the Tacoma, which is little. Chevrolet makes a Colorado, which is little. I mean, there's a lot of little pickups up there, out there. Uh, but they're less safe than anything. Yeah. Because no. you can't really lock it up. I mean, you can, but it doesn't lock. No, no, you can lock stuff in the passenger compartment. You're talking about in the cap? You're not going to put anything back there except your sleeping bag. Well, but remember, I am on the road for three or four months, so I'm going to have a few more things than just... Yeah, she's going to have stuff. She needs a trunk of some sort. Oh, jeez. But, doors the, pick, but the pickup them. truck was... I, I, I could just see you in it <laughs> with, a, with a bandana around your neck. Uh -huh, my arm out the window exactly and, and all that all that and all the junk you accumulated thrown in the back of, yeah. the, of the pickup truck covered up by the cap first of all you don't want to have anything that anyone else is going to steal anyway if they're going to if they really determine to steal it they're going to just break into the car or whatever else you're driving that's true but i would throw all that stuff that you could you could live without if you had to in the back and i see you driving a little pickup truck that would be fun that would be an adventure okay i'll, I'll go with it yeah, I, I, like. I, I see you're not so enthusiastic about it. I'm Maybe. not. Yeah, I'm not 
just don't think of myself as a pickup girl. You know, I grew up in the Northeast. I moved out here. I've, I've adapted to a lot of Western it's things. It's time but... to break out. All right. <laughs> Go all right, look well... at a pickup truck. I got a funny feeling that you may love it. You think so, huh? I think, I think so. You're going to see a little pick. You're going to see a little Ford Ranger pickup. And you're going to uh-huh. say, oh, my God, I never realized how cute these things are. And really? you'll take a spin around the block. You'll go to Cap City and buy yourself <laughs> a matching cap, and off you'll be. <laughs> all right. Well, if I do that, can I send you a picture? By Absolutely. all means. Yeah. All right. And I think maybe, I don't know, I'm thinking I might, there's some blog involved in this. You know, I should, like, write my adventure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 50-plus-year-old woman, you know, turns gypsy and finds a new life or something. <laughs> Libby's Odyssey. <laughs> Libby's Odyssey. All right, I'll do it. Good luck. Enjoy the ride. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> well, it's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Hmm. Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, not a slave to fashion, bongo boy Berman. Our associate producers are Louis Cronin, the Barbarian, and David Gibraltar-Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug the Old Gray Mayor. Our engineer is John Cartman Parati. And our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor, just back from the Sunset Strip, Mocha Chip, Honey Dip, French Drip, Steak Tip, <laughs> Prune Whip, Burger Flip, Letter Rip, Schmooze and Sip, is John Bugsy Lawler. Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research, assisted by statistician Margin of Error. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzoff. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our investment management company is Poor Lee Endowed. Our beatnik <laughs> philosopher is Harry Reasoner. Our head of public relations is Deb Backel. <laughs> Our PowerPoint <laughs> producer is Boris Tadef. Our Russian chauffeur is Peekoff and Dropoff. Our optometric firm is CFI Care. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horseshoe Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is you, Louis Dewey, known to the meter maids with a vendetta in Harvard Square as Huey Louis Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack the Tappet Brothers. And, of course, don't drive like my brother. And, of course, don't drive like my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an echo. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. CDs of the show, which is number 701, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK, or by going to the Shameless Commerce Division of our website, cartalk.com. Also this week at cartalk.com, how to be a great customer, a mechanic's eye guide to how to get the best service from your mechanic. Rule number one, don't come in swinging a baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that and lots of helpful suggestions Check out how to be a great customer this week at cartalk.com.